Great day already. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, If you need a little head start, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 this morning. We're starting a series called Functional Faith. And um, I don't know if if you know much about, um, this is kind of a, uh, I won't say a, a genre, but kind of a particular style of of workout. It's called functional fitness. And um, I was thinking about this the other day. I saw an article on it, and then I thought, you know, this translates immediately to the spiritual. And I think about, um, in the physical sense, here we are in America that we've got more gyms than any other place on the planet. We've got the best food on the planet. We've got uh, the cleanest air and the cleanest water and the highest rate of obesity. And it's not because we don't have the tools available. It's because it's something that's not valued or it's something that we just kind of push it off to the side and and thousands and thousands and thousands of people every year go and buy gym memberships and never set foot in a gym. (laughs) And um, uh, take take calm this morning because we're not talking about going to the gym. We're talking about the spirit this morning, but it's just as important and, and here's the thing. See, functional fitness is, is taking a program or, or learning how to train your muscles for everyday use when you're not in a controlled gym environment. You think about bodybuilders that they, they work to make sure that their body is symmetrical. They, they do these crazy diets. They do these crazy workouts so that they get humongous and, and they just get totally ripped up. And then you've got like power lifters. But anybody that's lifted any heavy weight, I can tell you, you don't just walk into a gym and decide you're going to bench press 400 pounds. It doesn't just happen. And usually for those people that do power lifting, they're special shirts. They've got their wrists all strapped. They've got their elbows all strapped. They've got spotters on the side. And it's very controlled. And yet those same people that can deadlift 400 pounds easily may put their back out lifting up their grandchild. Because that's the everyday activity and you don't have your weight belt on and you're not in that controlled environment. You're not in the squat rack. You're not in the... And that's the same way that I want to talk to you this morning about functional faith is... I think it's very easy for us to generate a level of faith when we come into church and there's worship and there's our friends and our family. We hear people singing. We know people are praying for us. But what happens when Tuesday comes and life comes and just slaps you upside the face and then nobody's around and you don't feel like worshiping and you don't know that anybody's praying for you and and you don't even know what to pray. And so I want to, over the next several weeks, I want to lay some skills on you, some training on you talking about uh, functional faith and, and, and what that truly means because I think that there's people that really want to have great faith but maybe you don't know how to do it. So I'm going to pretend this morning that we're all dumb and that we're starting from scratch and, and that's a good place for us to start. That way we don't assume anything. So I'm going to assume we don't really know anything this morning and just understand that, hey, these things happen all the time. If you've been in, the, in the, a workout room or a gym for any amount of time, you see some funny stuff. You see some funny stuff. And so I, I want you to watch. It's going to be a very quick video this morning just to, to get our, our, uh, our humor going. But if you'd just play that video for us real quick, I'd appreciate it. 
Okay, maybe that's how you feel when you go to pray. <laughs> You've got great intentions. <laughs> Can I tell you this morning that God wants you to have a strong spirit? And we spend way too much time on the outside. Now, I agree we need to take care of our bodies, but so much of that stuff is really based in insecurity and vanity. And so, you know, I want to have functional faith because when the mess comes and you don't know what to do, you feel hopeless. It's like, it's like our response. Can you imagine in the physical that all of a sudden you've got crushing chest pain and, and this numbness and tingling radiating down your left arm and you know it's a heart attack, so you think, man, I better run a couple miles on the treadmill. But what happens when you're hit with life and you don't know what to do and then you think, I need to pray. But I don't know what to pray. I, I don't know where to find that verse. I don't know how to get a hold of God. I don't know where the promises of God are. I don't know. I don't want you to feel that. I want you to feel like you know what to do. I want you to have a functioning every day that you know what to do on Sunday the same as you do on Wednesday. And on those times when you try to call your prayer pals and nobody's answering and you feel like, I just can't, what happens when you have to go through it alone? I want you to have the type of faith that endures through that. So functional fitness is really just a type of training that prepares your body for real-life movements, real-life activities versus that controlled situational fitness, you know, of these bodybuilders and these power lifters and, 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 and all of this stuff that looks incredible, but it, it's also only for that time and that setup because you can't do that on a regular basis. So what is functional faith? If functional fitness is a type of training, then functional faith kind of is as well. It's, the, it's training and aligning our habits for the encounters and the activities of real life. Now think about this. I don't know what you're going to encounter this week. I don't know what your activities in the spiritual realm are going to be, but I believe that we can train ourselves and align our habits to God's Word that will show us how to be trained. The Bible says that we should be trained in these things. It's also the opportunity for functional faith. It's available for everybody, but just like with physical fitness, way too many people are unfit because they don't have a strong relationship with God or others. And it's going to sound a little negative this morning right here at this start, and so I just want to, uh, I want to ease into this and say this. God is very, 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 very concerned with your relationship with Him and your relationship with other people. And so if you are a lone wolf this morning, you're out of shape. You're out of the alignment of God because he didn't make you to just exist for you. And, and I'm not saying you have to become a people person. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying you were made to relate to God and relate to others. And how you respond to that shows a level of your fitness or it shows a level of your immaturity. Anybody that tries to go it alone, you're not strong, you're weak. You're misled. You're deceived. 
because the Bible speaks so many times about not being alone, that two is better than one, and on and on and on, talking about how we've got to be interacting with each other and with God. And here's what's going to gird all this up. And so when you hear that word gird, it's an old-fashioned word that the Bible used to use. I I gird myself when I lift. I have a a thick uh, weight belt, okay? And it's good and it's bad, and I'll explain. That weight belt helps hold everything in, and it's usually a wide belt that goes around your midsection, okay? That way, when you stress on your core, it pushes against the belt, and the belt actually gives you extra support that your body doesn't have, okay? Now, the bad part is we get dependent on the belt, and if we always lift with the belt on, our core gets weak because the belt is doing all the work, So you think about church where you're surrounded by all these people and their prayers and their worship and their faith in God. And and if we're not careful, depending solely on a Sunday experience can make you weak because you're not developing your own spiritual core strength. And so these two last statements here are the things that are going to guide us through the rest of this series. Understand that your response to God's Word determines your relationship with God and others. I want to repeat that. Your response to... It doesn't matter that you hear it. It doesn't matter whether you've memorized it. What matters is your response to God's Word. Think of it in the physical. You go to the doctor. He says, congratulations, you're now morbidly obese. And you say, thank you, I've worked hard to become so. And he says, you need to stop smoking, you need to change your diet, and you need to get at least 60 minutes of exercise every couple of days. And you say, thanks, doc. And you go and you do nothing. And next year, when he comes back, he says, awesome, great. Now you're 50 pounds heavier than you were before. Did you hear what I said last year? Yep. It's not a matter of hearing. It's the response to it. And having worked in the medical field, I can tell you, this is the hardest thing for us as humans is to change our usual routine, right? I've never met a smoker that didn't know that smoking was killing them. I've never met an addict that didn't know it was ruining their life. And yet their response to what they know is what's going to change their future. And your response to God's Word, as you hear it and as you get into it, is going to be how your relationship with Him is going to be and your relationship with other people is going to be. So if you're somebody that's weak in the Word, you're going to struggle with this until you learn to function and get fit. And it doesn't mean to memorize it all. I read the Bible a lot, and I haven't memorized it all. I don't know that you can, because it's constantly a living word that means something different every time I read it. But your response to God's word, because many of us have been taught to just listen. And then by the time you get to the parking lot, it's just a sermon that you sat through instead of the life-giving word of God. Not because I say it, but because God has revealed it. Secondly, your spiritual growth depends on your commitment to God's Word. Anybody can try to get in shape for two days. And that's when you find out that it's painful sometimes. 
that's when you find out, wow, I didn't realize I was that out of shape. That's when you find out, uh, it's cold and rainy outside. And I didn't sleep well last night because I was up feeling like all my muscles shrunk. And I'm not looking forward to this new diet I got to start. So maybe in the middle of the night I'll get up and make brownies before I start the diet. We do it all the time, and you laugh because you know, right? I used to work with nurses all the time, and they would fool themselves. I worked in the OR, and almost every day there was boxes of donuts sitting around, and particularly these certain female nurses, they would go and they would cut a donut in half and eat it, and then later they would come back and say, I only had half a donut, and eat another half a donut, right? By the end of the day, they ate four donuts, but they never ate a whole donut, Church, I don't want us to fool ourselves by thinking, I came, I sat down, and I listened. Because you can come and sit down and listen, and your life will be a mess. We have to learn to respond to God's Word and be committed to His Word if we're going to grow in it. And that's the thing. We have, like I said, we've got all these things in the physical realm, and it's still not helping. We've got more Bibles available than we've ever had before in multiple versions that we can all understand. It's on our apps. It's in our homes. It's on our TVs. And yet, it's not because we don't have access. It's because we're not committed to it. It gets the thing shoved off to the side. Just like working out, I'll do that later, someday, next week. We have to understand that our lives are formed by habits, okay? Remember, I'm starting out bottom shelf right here. And your habits are what you routinely think, what you routinely watch, what you routinely do, what you routinely say, and who you routinely interact with. Those are the things that are guiding your life right now, whether you know it or not. So ask yourself this morning, what do I usually think about God's Word? I don't until I come on Sunday and I go, oh, where's that at? What are you routinely watching that's changing your spirit, either positive or negative? What is it you're routinely doing that's drawing you closer to God and others or farther away from God and others? And I'm not talking about sin stuff. I'm just talking about daily activities, right? If we're not careful, we just go through our daily activities and then somewhere we go, oh, have I prayed this week? Have I even thought about God? Have I even thought about anybody besides me or my, my immediate family this week? What do we routinely say? When it comes to God and His Word, how are we? Are we positive about God and His Word? Are we negative about God and His Word? Are we neutral? We just don't have anything to say about God and His Word? Or what are we saying about others? Because we've got to remember that the heart speaks through the mouth. Right? Right? And then who are you interacting with? 
And there was a time in the church where it was almost like, hey, you better not hang out with people that don't come to church. I'm telling you, we've got to value every person as a human being, but we also need to be careful with our relationships. We need to be wise. But if you're hanging around with people that are constantly pulling you away from the faith, it doesn't, I mean, I'm not even saying that they're bad people or unchurched people. There are people sitting around here, maybe people, church people, maybe they're not in this church. I think we've got great church people. But if they're the people pulling you away, you need to find some new friends. If they're the ones that are dragging you away and, and they've got more important things to do than to help you spiritually, you need to find some new people in your life. They're going to actually build you up and move you closer to God and others. But that requires some habits. So here we go. As we understand that our response to God's Word determines our relationships and then our spiritual growth is dependent on our commitment, we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 4 this morning. It won't be on the screen, so you need to have your Bible or your app or whatever you're going to use this morning. Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. This is Mark 4, verse 1. And a very large crowd gathered around him. He got into a boat. He went out in the boat, and people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them stories in the form of parables like this one. A farmer went out to plant some seed. Now, for those of you that have been in church for any length of time, you've heard this multiple, 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 multiple times. But I remind you that your response to God's Word is what's key. Not knowing, oh, I know what he's going to say. Yep, you probably know what I'm going to say. Now, what my question is going to be, what's your response going to be? So here we go. A, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and he scattered it across his field. Some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he said this amazing thing, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. He didn't just say, anybody that has ears, listen. You need to listen and understand. Then he goes about his business. And then the disciples come and say, we don't get it. Verse 13. If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand any of the other parables? You see what he's doing? He's laid a foundation stone for us. This is how you respond to God's word. As he's sowing seed, your response and understanding this parable is going to determine your relationship with him and others and determine your spiritual growth. From this one parable, he says, if you don't get this parable, it'll be very difficult to understand the way that Jesus works. Now, it's very easy to come to church, but to understand the way that Jesus works and to have the relationship that you should have with him, that's another thing. So I don't want to leave you hanging. This is what he says. The farmer plants seeds by taking God's word, 
to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing the believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, and no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as was planted." All of those people heard the word, but all of them had a different response to the word. So here's our secret to functional faith this morning. Understanding that God's seed is for you. God's seed, God's word is for you this morning. It's not for somebody else. It's not for your husband or your wife this morning. It's not for your kids this morning. It's not for that sinner that lives next door. It's not for your Uncle Harold that's weird and you wish he'd just come around. It's, not, it's for you. When you hear God's word, it's for you. It's good seed that's constantly trying to transform you. But the soil, you, determine what is produced. Everybody good? This is simple, right? See, that's the problem. Now it's so simple. Now you're thinking, ah. Oh. Now he wants me to do something. Okay? Yep. God's seed is for you. For a reason. Not to punish you. Not to shame you. And I'm not here to punish or to shame. I'm here as a coach to say, you can get into shape. And some of you are thinking, yep, round is a shape. I know that, right? (laughs) But when the mess comes into your life, and you don't know how to pray, and you feel utterly alone, what are you going to do then? Wish. I wish I had read. I wish I knew what to do. I wish somebody would call me. I wish pastor would show up. I wish, I hope. Wouldn't it be nice if you knew what to do? Wouldn't it be nice to know that you've got a functional faith that no matter what hits you, You know how to go to God. You may not always know what to say, but you know what to do. Right? Another secret to functional faith is the seed along the path. Mark 4.15 says, Some people like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The reality is your soil is hard and that seed sits on the top of it and it's easy to get taken away. The seed is good and you have the potential to be good, but he said it's like a footpath. It's been stomped down. And when it comes to God's word, for whatever reason, you've become hardened to it. It doesn't mean that all of your life is bad. 
But for whatever reason, you seem to think that you can do it without reading, without prayer, without interacting with him or other people. You think you can just come and sit and, and, and think about this. If, if you sitting were sitting in soil, what do you think would happen after all those times of sitting in the soil? Do you think it might become hard-packed? I mean, that what we do when we want dirt to get hard? What do we do? <laughs> but what if we could actually till up, like he says, Old Testament, New Testament, till up the fallow ground of your heart? Notice he said it's still good ground, it just hasn't been plowed up yet. And you can learn how to pray. You can learn to understand God's word. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to go to seminary. It is written in a format, and I I hope you find a version that you can read where you don't have to go through those whithersoeverths and the whence cameth. (laughs) And if that's what you love to read, then read it. The, The thing is, I just want you to read it and respond to it. But there are times, especially when we become immune to it, when we become hardened to it, that it's good seed that wants to be planted, but your soil is hard and it gets taken away from you. Something that could have changed your life, something that could have impacted you, something that could have produced fruit in the future gets taken away because the soil, you, were hard to it. What kind of soil do you want to be? The next secret to functional faith, the seed on rocky places. Mark 4, 16 and 17 says, Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the word and at once receive it with joy. They're like, oh my gosh, that's, I came to church just hoping that God would have a word for me. And you heard it. And you're like, this is, oh, thank you. Or you came to the altar and you just felt like all of a sudden there was a sense of, of God doing something in you, whether it be healing or, or clearly defining something for you. He was just moving on you and, all, and you felt joy. You're like, there is a God and He knows me and He's working on me. But then read verse 17. But since you have no root, right? And there's lots of definitions of what that could mean. One of them being you don't stay long enough. (laughs) We only see you once a month. We only see you when you're in trouble. You only read God's word like it's a first aid kit, only when you're in in dire need and you break it out. Oh my gosh. And invariably, you're going to wind up in Leviticus or something. You're like, this doesn't mean anything to me. Or even worse, it could be bad news. I mean, think about it. You, you play the, the hunt and peck God. I need to know, pa- pastor gave me this Bible. What do I, I'm just going to let it fall open, Lord. Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. What do I do? And Judas hung himself. Might not be what you wanted to hear. The Bible clearly says if you want to have a blessed life, a fruitful life, you need to be rooted, planted in your streams of living water. That's his word and that's his people. And it's not easy. I'm not saying that any of this is easy because it's training. But you've got to get past 
being in and out, in and out, because I can tell you this, it doesn't offend me because I can almost guarantee that's how you live the rest of your life too. You're up and down with your money, you're up and down with your relationships, you're up and down with your jobs, you're up and down with your cell phones, you're up and down with your emotions. How about if you could have a life that's not a downer and you're like, I don't feel anything. That's not what God wants. But this roller coaster zigzag, that's not healthy for us. It's, it's no different than a diet, right? <laughs> In clinical terms, we call that manic depressive, right? I got all this energy. I'm, this is awesome. Everything's great. I've got all the best friends. And two days later, nobody cares about me. I've never been so low. I can't even imagine. I'm going to make it through another day. And then two days later, oh my gosh, it's incredible. Do you think that's how God wants us to live? And there are ups and downs, but church, that should be not these huge, huge spikes because they cause us harm. And yes, you may receive it with joy, but then you know what God wants you to do? Get rooted. Find some root. Look what it says. When you don't have root, no matter how good that word sounded, you're not going to last for very long because you're always jumping, jumping, jumping to the next thing. See, as soon as trouble or persecution comes, and I'm telling you, trouble and persecution is going to come. Somebody's going to question your faith. Somebody's going to say, oh, you're one of those. Trouble's going to come into your life that makes you have to use your spiritual muscle. And when you are unfit, you feel like a failure, and then you really don't want to talk to God because you feel like you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do. I see these people when I go into the gym. I look at them, I'm thinking, I'm glad they're here. I see them, it doesn't matter what shape they're in. And then pretty soon I realize they don't know what they're doing here because they're wandering around like looking at the machine like, how do I get into this? We're doing the wrong thing, you know. It's like, uh, it's not made for that. <laughs> and I'm glad that they're there, but I tell you what, if somebody doesn't help them navigate, they're going to feel so frustrated. They're like, this is why I don't go to the gym. I don't know how to do this, and nobody's, I don't want to pay f- for somebody to teach me. I'm telling you, you don't have to pay for anybody to teach you. You just have to respond to God's word this morning. Determine that you're going to till up those hard places and determine you're going to stick with it. When it gets hard, stick with it. When the trouble comes, stick with it. The problem is we relegate God to the side and then only when trouble comes do we look to Him or to the church. And that's not a healthy response as well. You need to get a root and you need to stop letting circumstances change your faith circumstances can actually help build your faith. Now, that's, that's hard, but just like I said, to put tension on your muscles, what you may or may not know is that when you put enough tension on your muscles, it actually causes micro-tears in your muscle, and then your muscle responds by building new muscle. It's actually tearing and rebuilding for a purpose, just like your faith. Some tension comes and begins to say, man, where was God in this? And, and if you stay strong, guess what? New faith muscle builds. <laughs> and when 
persecution comes and somebody talks to you and, and makes you feel foolish about what you believe, it doesn't mean you give it up. Just realize that some new muscle is being built. But we've got to understand that trouble and persecution is going to come, and those are things that God allows because he wants us strong. He even told his disciples, in this world you're going to have trouble. You know why? Look around you. There's messed up people that don't always do what's right. You don't always do what's right. I don't always do right. I don't even follow my own rules. (laughs) And neither do you. That's what makes it hard. But you know what? I'm telling you, from a kid that grew up not knowing anything to all of a sudden being dumped into a church environment where I'm thinking, some of these people are crazy. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know how they're doing it. And to understand that God cared about me and that I just began to all of a sudden read his word and begin to understand it. But I haven't been to seminary. I haven't gone to Bible college. I, I don't know where to start except for to start with whatever somebody told me. I'm telling you it's possible. But there's been plenty of opportunities for me to quit not just being a Christian, to quit ministry, to quit reading, to quit, because sometimes I read stuff in here I don't like. <laughs> There's stuff in here that points right into my heart and reveals I got some stuff to, to deal with. And there's stuff that happens in our life. We've had deaths in families. We've had breakups. We've had mess-ups. I'm thinking, where's God in this? And yet I have found that my faith grows stronger as long as I keep going back to him instead of deciding it didn't turn out the way I wanted, I'm done. Just like in the physical, day two or three, when all that lactic acid kicks into the muscles that you hadn't used in years, it's painful. (laughs) But the best thing you can do is to go back to the gym. The best thing you can do is resume your workout. Maybe not push it as hard, but letting it sit there, that's a great excuse for to say, last time I went to the gym, I felt worse than I'd ever felt in my life. Yep, welcome to the world. That's how it works. Because you don't go in and develop those muscles. I don't care what the Bowflex commercial tells you. It's a big lie. Because I tell you what, If you were 50-plus pounds overweight this morning, 20 minutes a day on a Bowflex, you ain't going to look like that. Just three days a week, the person that already looks like that (laughs) and uses Bowflex 20 minutes a day, they look like that. You know what it takes? Time, years, determination. And me? I don't care enough. I like to eat. I don't care if I have six-pack abs because I'm not walking around at the beach saying, hey, look at these. But I want to have functional faith and functional fitness. I want to be able to play with my kids and my grandkids. I want to be able to walk across the street and step off the curb without throwing my back out. I want to be able to face the tragedies of this life. And, I mean, you think about every funeral I've done, and I've done a ton of them. Where God didn't show up and God didn't heal. And it hasn't changed my faith. God is still just as real and just as strong and just as powerful. 
to face cancer in our family despite the prayer that took its toll. And God is still God. Why? Because he knows what's on the other side and what he's doing is preparing my faith to be strong for some of the real stuff that's coming when we can handle it. That's the beautiful part about God is he doesn't throw too much at us when we're weak and young. And when he does, it's because he expects big things from us and he's expecting us to go. But there's no steroids for faith, church, where you just get a quick fix and all of a sudden something, it takes time. It takes working out our faith. Next secret is the seed among thorns. Now remember, this is about your response. All these, it has nothing to do with the person being bad or the, it was a bad seed. They all received good seed. They all heard God's word, right? Still others, like seed among thorns, they hear the word. Listen, they hear the word. But the worries of this life, right? And the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and it chokes out the word, making it unfruitful. And sometimes it just looks like a shortcut. Sometimes it looks like that's going to take too long. Sometimes it looks like, hey, you can make a couple extra. All you got to do is, sometimes it looks like, hey, you don't need that much church. In fact, Pastor Tony even said it's not all about the attendance. That's true, it's not. It's about response to God's word. But all of a sudden, the world and the worries of this life begin to choke it out. Notice that it's not you that made you unfruitful, but your response to those things. Bear with me for just a second. God pours out good seed that could make you take root and make you fruitful depending on how you respond to it, right? You respond to God's word positive, you bring it in, you let it grow in you, and and fruits can be produced. And then worries and greed come along and you bring those in and allow them to get planted and guess what? Fruit is going to be produced but it'll make you unproductive in God's realm. And unfortunately, what you don't know is it's also making you unproductive in the worldly realm too because it only uses you. So let me make this as clear as possible. We are sent here to search out and save lost people. But you become too embedded in this world. Understand that the world is a parasite that will suck everything out of you and then will cast you aside when it's done. It's designed for that. That's what it's here for. That's why Jesus came to change it and he changes it through you and I hearing his word and becoming people that plant a different fruit that is productive instead of parasitic. You see, in my backyard, we've got a a, a white fence, vinyl fence, and behind that, blackberries, you've heard my ongoing tales of that. But we also have this beautiful thing called morning glory. Those of you that, that know morning glory, welcome, thank you. Those of you that have no idea what that is, it's a crawling vine that wraps around everything, and it creates these really beautiful, big white flowers that, to me, now signal death 
because it will wrap and wind and twist and, and given its time, it'll encompass a whole tree and it will choke the life out of a tree and it will take over your fence. That's the world without the word of God in your life. It's looking for a hold. It's looking to wrap itself around you and you're thinking, oh, how pretty, how lovely, look at it. And then you realize it's eating you from the inside out. The seed among thorns, we're almost done. Still others like seed sown among thorns. Oh, I'm sorry, we did that one. Seed on the good soil. Others, same type of people, like the seed sown on good soil, they also hear the word and then they do what? All right, so here's the big task. All the other people heard the word. What's the difference this time? They accepted it. Right? They didn't just hear. They accepted it. Lord, I accept your word that it's good for me. I'm reading this, and even though I don't like what it says, and maybe I don't even fully understand what it says, I'm going to accept. I'm going to accept it into my life. And a crop begins to get produced. Some people are 30 people. Some people are 60 people. Some people are 100 times people. But I can tell you this. If you don't accept it, you'll be a zero person. You'll be a soil-on-something person. These are the people that hear and accept the word, and your life all of a sudden is transformed exponentially beyond what you can understand. This is what he's saying. You sowed good seed, and then you accepted it, but all of a sudden you got 30 times the crop you were going to sow. And then the next time I sowed, you accepted it, and this time you got 60 times, and the next time you got 100 times. But somehow you think you deserve the 100 times when you don't accept the word. If you want more of God's word, till up more of your heart. Be willing in more areas of your life. Because he didn't just mean for your life to be Sunday faith. He meant every day of the week to be full of his word and his produce on your life. So if you look in your, in your bulletin this morning, I don't know if you've got one of those, but if not, you can grab one of these. But there's a little training card for you. This is your homework. And before you say it, I know you didn't come here for homework, but we need it. The church at large, not just ours, the church at large is beginning, is getting more and more unfit as the years go along. Because we're straying more and more from God's word and giving in to a world standard. So here's three three training things. And maybe you're good at two of these already, but the one that you're not, you need to work on that. That first one is to study. The Bible is very clear on that. James tells us this. He's a disciple of Jesus Christ, and he says to, uh, Paul says to James, he says, study to show yourself approved. You're not going to know what God's Word says unless you study it. And then prayer. We can teach ourselves how to pray. Even if you've never prayed before, the Bible gives us a template for how to do that. But I just want to encourage you to just talk to God like he's another person. We do it all the time on our cell phone. You're not seeing the person and you have all the conversation. 
The hard part is you can't text God. You actually have to talk. And the last one, the hardest of all, I haven't met anybody that's really comfortable with this, and that's fasting, but such a strong discipline that can really ramp up how you receive God's Word, what He can do in your life, and that's fasting. And, and I know you're telling me, hey, Pastor, I got it covered. I fast in between meals. I'm good. But what it's really about is, is not just going without food. Okay? What it is, it's about tuning your heart and your life to Jesus Christ and His Word. Being, becoming sensitive and what that produces in us, right? So here's the last truth I want to lay on you. All your habits have produced your life up to this point. Got that? All of your current habits have produced your life up to this point. Would you say that's true this morning? And the hard part about this is, and the hard part about my life is, I've been part of every bad decision I've ever made. I've been part of every bad word I've ever spoken. I've been part of every negative attitude I've ever thought. I've been a big part of every bad action that I've ever done. And the habits of our lives have produced the life of where you're at right now. Now, here's the beautiful part. If you want to change where you're at, change your habits. Because you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. Regardless of whether you come to church, regardless of whether you uh, read your Bible or not, you keep doing what you're doing, not changing your habits. You're still hanging around with the losers. You're still full of doubt. You're going to continue to generate that. That's going to be your crop. Being transformed isn't easy, but soon what was difficult will become desirable. 